0: Uh, We uh, are in a series this Advent season that we are calling uh, Advent Encounters. Um, And really the gist of this series is that in the Christmas story, there's all these characters, whether it be Mary or Joseph or the shepherds or the wise men, and all of these people that have these impactful encounters with God. And uh, most of them have an encounter with God that looks something like a messenger of God coming or an angel from God coming. And in all of these Advent encounters, God leaves a powerful mark on the person's life. And and really these encounters with God shape the trajectory probably of many of these folks' lives because that's what happens when we encounter God. We always leave changed. Now, obviously... These Advent encounters are not your uh, everyday normal encounter, right? Uh, the folks in the Christmas story, they encountered God for a specific purpose, and that was uh, the birth of the Messiah. And God was using these people uh, to, to really play a part in making sure that this Jesus story happened. And in some sense, these are not your average stories. But at the same time, uh, there is much we can learn from these stories about our own Lives because encountering God is something we should expect in our lives. You know, perhaps not in the way of an angel of the Lord suddenly showing up, maybe, maybe for you that does happen, I don't know, Um, but perhaps more subtly. Uh, You know, perhaps it's in this turn of events in your life and you look and you see that God seems to be working through all of it and it's this encounter with God. Or perhaps it's in your prayer life and you're sitting praying and there's that still small voice that is prompting you to do something. Um, It's an encounter with God. Uh, perhaps for you, it's a person, there was someone in your life uh, that spoke a truth in your life when you needed to hear that truth, and it changed the trajectory of your life, and you would say that was a God encounter. Uh, But regardless of, of how these God encounters happen, we do know that God is in the business of meeting with us personally, and we can plan on that. And so this morning, we're going to dive into the story uh, of Mary, Mary's unbelievable story of her encounter with God. And Mary's story is found in Luke 1:26 to 26-38, and then verses 46-56. through And our scripture this morning is Vanessa Grieve. So Vanessa, you can head on up. And what we like to do here is we stand for the reading of God's word, and we face the scripture as it's right. And we do so because this is the greatest story ever told, the story of Jesus. So Vanessa, take it away when you're ready.
1: He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors.
0: Thank you, Vanessa. You may be seated. So many of us have heard the Christmas story before many times, and usually when you hear it, it's from the passage we just read in Luke, and many of us have heard or read the story of Mary and her encounter with this angel and this miraculous conception, and, and most of us, I think, we, we really marvel at the miraculous conception of Jesus, don't we? It, it really is an amazing story. It's a story of this virgin uh, who, through the Holy Spirit, suddenly conceives a child, and then that child isn't just some random tribe with the Messiah, the savior of the world, God incarnate. And from our vantage point, uh, we read the Christmas story and we are amazed by the story of the Virgin Mary. But what I want us to do this morning is just pause in on this encounter that Mary has. Because, yes, the story is amazing to us, but if we put this story in the context of Mary's life, in her day and age, in the customs and traditions and beliefs of her day and age, we will just see just how unbelievable the story truly is. And so I want to start with some context this morning. In the time of Jesus, uh, sexual purity was incredibly important. If a daughter were to be found out having been uh, sexually promiscuous or something uh, like that, not just the daughter would be shamed, but the entire family of the daughter would be shamed too. It would be a strong shaming in some sense. The community around her would shame her. Her faith community would shame her. And perhaps even shun her. It was a very uh, bad offense to be sexually promiscuous in really any way. And, and in our day and age, I'm not sure we really grasp this because yes, um, most of us believe in sexual purity and keeping virginity and that sex should be reserved for marriage only. And that is similar to the Jews in the day of Mary. But the difference is, is, that if a person were to violate those beliefs in, uh, you know, uh, virginity in some way, uh, in our day, there's really no social penalty for doing so. Uh, if you do something uh, sexually promiscuous, there's really not a cultural, uh, like, bad thing that can happen to you. Uh, we know many people who practice sex before marriage, don't we? Some of people are in our family that are that way. Perhaps it was us. Uh, We know many people who lived together before they're married. Um, These things are in some ways almost normative in our culture. And and we believe what the Bible says about these things, but then our culture says something different, and it's just, uh, it's not the same as it was for Mary. Because in Mary's time, the cost to violating what they would call your purity was a huge, huge, huge deal. I can't emphasize this the most. The social cost of sex out of wedlock was tremendous, and it would be a cost not just to uh, marry or a daughter, but it would be to the whole family. And in fact, it was such a big deal. That to prevent this from happening, a, a, a family would take their daughter who was pledged to be married to somebody and they would actually pretty much lock them up in their house, in the family's house. And they would not be allowed to leave the house until the wedding ceremony mm-hmm. happened. They literally uh, would be holed up in their parents' house until that day and they would just sit out of the sight of people all together. And the reason for this was because the family wanted just to make sure that the gaze of men was off their daughters, just to ensure that they remained pure. And so when Mary in the Christmas story has this encounter with God, she was pledged to be married, which meant that she was almost certainly locked up in her parents' house out of the sight of pretty much everyone else in her world, out of sight, out of the gaze of men, just to make sure that Mary would remain pure. And it's in this lonely place of Mary's, in this house, probably alone, a manless space, um, where the angel of the Lord appears. And oh, the angel's name is Gabriel. Gabriel is a boy name, I think. A male angel. And Gabriel, the angel probably didn't have angel wings like we think or look like some kind of angel alien or something like that or even look like a Precious Moments figurine. I know. (laughs) Gabriel probably just looked like a normal dude. Seriously, a normal guy. And for a normal guy to suddenly make an appearance in front of a betrothed daughter hiding from all men in her community would be quite shocking in that day. Which is why the story goes that Mary was troubled with Gabriel's words. Because Jewish tradition held that Gabriel should not have been there. It's not how things were supposed to work in this day and age. You see, Mary likely never would have imagined that an encounter with God like this would have ever happened in her life. Because Mary, Mary was a good Jewish woman. And she had good Jewish woman plans, and she was going to be married to Joseph, and they were going to follow all the traditions and expectations that their faith-steeped culture uh, made them hold on to. And she probably looked forward to that. She looked forward to following those things, and she was going to have lots of kids, and her husband was going to work in carpentry to pay the bills and make sure food was on the table. And they would train up their kids uh, to be good Jewish adults. And they would do their due diligence to follow God's law as perfectly as they could. And they would attend the synagogue and perhaps even a couple times they would attend the temple in Jerusalem. And Mary would feel good about serving God and loving God and feeling like she was doing it all the way that God wanted her to. But what, what Mary never expected was that God would want more. And you see, that is what Mary's encounter with God was all about. That being a good God-law-abiding Jew was a good thing. It is. It's a good thing. But God wanted more. And this is true for you and for me, too. You know, don't we want to live our lives kind of on an up into the right trajectory, don't we? Like if we made our lives into a graph, we would want the graph to look something like this, right? That's what we would want out of our lives. And, and that's what, we want to do, constantly achieving our goals and moving on up in our careers and, and, you know, having good families and healthy finances, and we want to do it all with an authentic faith. And, and speaking of faith, for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, we truly want to follow Jesus, right? We want to live a life that's God-honoring, and, and we want to have a faith that's our guiding priority that actually influences our moral decisions that we make. And we want to raise our kids and our grandkids in the faith. And we want to see those kids and grandkids grow up in the faith and then one day become good, faithful adults that love Jesus and want to share the good news of Jesus. We want these things. And we want other things out of our lives too. We want homes and we want to maintain those homes well. And we want jobs that fulfill us. And we want to retire one day if we haven't got to do that. And we want healthy bodies. And we want to be respected in our neighborhood and community and faith community. And Mary, Mary wanted all of those things too, but then she encountered God. You see, Mary's unbelievable story shows us how much bigger God's plan is than our plans. And for Mary it meant she was going to give birth to the Messiah. You know, in my life, there is one place that I tend to encounter God the most. And that place is when I'm off alone by myself. Usually my Bible is open and I'm either reading scripture or I'm in prayer and I am just listening for God. And it's in those moments that God almost predictably shows up. When life gets out of control, do you want to know the one place that gets cut first? That place does. And I have all kinds of very good reasons for not spending personal time with God in scripture and in prayer. In fact, I have a top three excuses if you want to use them for yourself someday. Are you ready? Busyness, exhaustion, Netflix. (laughs) Maybe that's you too, I don't know. But I have wondered why is it that my personal time with God seems to be the place I'm going to struggle with first? And I'm assuming that I'm not the only one in the room that struggles with this this morning. You know, we're not going to do the old-fashioned raise of hands thing, but I'm assuming that this is a common struggle for many of us. The question is, why? Why is it? You see, I wonder if at least part of the reason for why we struggle with our personal time with God, just part of the reason, is often in those moments we encounter God and then God invites us to something more and that something more is often beyond our comfort. I wonder if we can't find time with God on our own personally because we really, really, we don't like change. But you see, this is what an encounter with God does. It breaks us out of our normal selves, our normal rhythm of life, and then it invites us into something new, something bigger. And sometimes we just don't like new and bigger things because that means we might need to change. And change can be uncomfortable and scary and risky for us sometimes, can't it? You see, Mary's unbelievable story shows us that encounters with God always invite us to change our lives. And and for Mary in the story, it, it wasn't just that she was now going to be carrying the God man in her belly, though that's kind of a big deal. You see, Mary knew she was going to have to change by learning to trust God in her life in a way that she never had to trust God before. Because the culture around Mary was likely not going to be all that accepting of her virgin miraculous conception story. And she was going to have to learn to trust God when her family and friends and faith community lost trust in her. I mean, can you imagine what it would have been like to be Mary when she had to break the news to her parents? Have you thought about this? I imagine she's sitting there like, hey, mom and dad, why don't you sit down on the couch? You're going to need to for this one, you know. So, you know, while you were away and I was locked up in the house all alone, mom and dad, um, this boy angel dropped into the house and now I'm pregnant. Oh, and it's, you know, it's the savior of the world too. Can you imagine the response of parents to that? Like, jaw hit the floor. I'm not buying it. I don't know about you. And, you know, scripture doesn't say that they don't buy it or anything, but I'm just going to guess that they may have struggled with that one just a little bit. We do, however, get the story of Mary and Joseph. And when Mary breaks the news to Joseph, we get Joseph's response. Uh, we actually uh, heard this passage just a couple weeks ago, but I want to read it again. and Just listen to this a second. This is in Matthew 1. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph didn't buy it in the beginning. And it took later for Joseph to have his own God encounter for him to finally get on board with it. You see, this God encounter for Mary was an invitation to grow in her trust in God's holy plan. And for Mary, that had great risk. In fact, Mary's story shows us that God encounters invite us to more and that that involves needing to change. But it also shows us that God encounters usually come with a cost. And for Mary, the cost would probably be her reputation in her community and in her faith community. Mary likely, this is just a guess, likely had a stained reputation in her community to the day she died because people just couldn't buy it. You know, her up into the right Jewish woman story that she had imagined for herself had to be sacrificed in order to follow God's plan. And you see, encountering God will be costly to you and me too. Because what God will do is he'll take our up-in-to-the-right life that we imagine for ourselves, our great plans, and he will put those plans against his and he'll say, you need to choose. You know, one of the priorities that my wife and I had when we first started having kids was raising our kids in a home that was stable We really valued that. We wanted our kids to live a predictable childhood, and stability was really important to us. And we had seen all the kids that had been really messed up by unstable homes, where they're moving from home to home to home, or they were moving from school to school. And we saw just the toll that that took on kids, and we just didn't want that for our kids. You know, we wanted our kids to have that one childhood home that they can fondly remember and consistent friends and family along the way. And we wanted our kids to never experience that moment that we felt when we were kids where we financially just didn't have enough. We really didn't want our kids to ever feel that. You know, we wanted our kids to make their way through the school system. And, and you know, for the first couple of years, we did that. We had a stable home for our kids. But then God showed up and a God encounter happened. And the encounter was that I was going to lose my job. And that whole encounter spun our lives up. And we're listening for God. And the message from God was, it's time for you to do something else now. It's time for you to go into ministry. You know you love the church, John. Go into ministry. And in this moment, I felt God telling me that it was time to just give in. And so we did. And there was this, that, what that meant for us is that our kids were going to have to go from school to school to school to school as I went to school as well. And that meant for our kids to have to move again and again and again and again. And that meant that our, our kids were going to experience what it felt like to financially not have enough. And it meant that our kids were going to have friend groups that they had to say goodbye to, and they'd say hello to new ones, and they had to say goodbye to those ones again and again and again. It it introduced great instability into our kids' lives, and it was hard, and we struggled. And our kids, they they just they they went through everything that we just didn't want them to go through, and they had to say goodbye to their friends, and eventually say goodbye to their family. We had to sacrifice to follow God's plan. And it was hard. But we placed our trust in God's plan and we went for it. What has your faith costed you? You And what has God called you to sacrifice? You know, what choice do we make when God makes his plans compete with ours? You know, when push comes to shove, what comes first? first? Is is it us and our reputation and credibility and safety? Or is it our obedience and trust in God and God's plan? You know, Mary demonstrated trust perfectly, I think. She didn't know exactly how this virgin thing was going to work. She even asked the angel like that, I'm not sure how that one's going to work, angel. And he had to explain it to her. And she probably didn't realize the cost because it was going to cost her a lot. But I love how she finally responds to the angel. This is what she says. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. It's amazing trust. You know, when we encounter God, is our response an unflinching faith like Mary's? So Mary's unbelievable story shows us just the cost of encountering God, but it also shows us another aspect, and that is the celebration piece, too. Because despite the hardship, there is something amazing about seeing God move and work through our stories. And there's something truly fulfilling about about, uh, placing our trust in God above everything else and experiencing that. You know, in fact, the second half of our scripture reading this morning is referred to the Magnificat, or Mary's, song. And I just want to read it to you one more time. Listen to this, the lyrics of this song. It's what Mary says. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary's song is a celebration of what God has done and what God is going to do in her life. Through her unbelievable story of her encounter with God, it's a song of great satisfaction and thankfulness. And that's what happens when we encounter God and we say yes. It might involve risk or loss, but the end product will always be fulfillment. You see, this is what God invites us to do this morning too. When's the last time you had a God encounter? And did you say yes? Let's pray. God, we we thank you that you are interested in even uh, our individual selves. You're interested in us. You're interested in us in such a way that you're willing to come to us and to encounter us and to meet us right where we're at, God. And we thank you for that. And God, we we know that you're in the business of, of meeting us, and we pray that you meet us often, God. And we pray that you send your spirit on us that when you come to meet us, that we can say yes. And God, this morning, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand for the blessing. receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord raise his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.